and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. We're going to be talking about in-season nutrient applications in cornfields as plans get made right now. Soil fertility plans uh, are executed. Corn planting begins and uh, is well underway in some parts of the country, but soon to begin in many others. I know when we hit mid-April, that's really a trigger date for a lot of farmers across the country. We start putting that crop in the ground. You're going to have to make those decisions. How many nutrients do I have out there now? And how many more will I need to finish my crop? And at what stage will I determine if I need more nutrients? Uh, I'll give you an example on that little story. So my dad, when Brian and I were growing up, a lot of times he would say, okay, we're going to put some fertilizer out there now, and then we're going to see what the crop looks like. And his idea was he had had too many times he'd gotten burned where he put the nutrients out and we've got heavy soil and we don't get a lot of rain. And he would put nutrients out and then have a disappointing crop. And he's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have spent that much money, especially on nitrogen, because if we do get some rain, it could potentially leach away. And so his thought was, all right, I'm going to go. I can put P and K out there. That's fine if if this crop doesn't get them the next will. But with leachables, like especially for him, it was nitrogen. But you may say today it could be nitrogen and sulfur. Um, he'd say, I'm going to put maybe what an average crop would be out there. And then we'll just judge at side dressing time. And if it looks like it's going to be a very good crop, then we can go always go and add some more. And we were set up to add more nitrogen if we needed to. We weren't farming that many acres. We could get over them in most cases. So that was the risk you would take. Now, I know that there were years that we would just plan on a side dress and say, okay, we're going to put 100 units out of nitrogen, and then we're going to come back and side dress another 50 or whatever the program was. And we would just say, we're doing it no matter what. We're going back out there at this stage, and we're going to put that other 50 on. And sometimes we would gain nothing because we never got a rain after then, and we didn't get enough rain to get the nitrogen into the crop. What I'd suggest taking a look at is just using all the tools available to you. So soil tests are pretty cheap and easy. A complete Malik analysis only costs like $11 now. So it's pretty inexpensive to get a complete soil analysis. So anybody that says, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't get soil tests, Paul. Really? It's $11. It's not expensive. Then you look at in-season nitrogen tests, and oftentimes you can pull an in-season nitrate test or a pre-side dress nitrate test for 5 bucks. So for $16, bucks, you, you did a pretty good job figuring out what you had out there, and, and it helps you dial in what you need to add to the situation. And then the other thing would be if you wanted to pull some tissue tests and see, okay, I put nitrogen on, did it get into my crop? Do I see my tissue test levels going up? Do I see that my plant's getting that nitrogen? That might be something you want to do, and tissue tests often cost uh, around $20. So you don't have to spend a huge amount of money to start learning some of these things. If you haven't done any of that testing, or maybe you are a 15-year-old to 25-year-old, and nobody's listening to you yet on the farm. It's still uh, your parents or grandparents or aunt and uncle or whatever running the show. Uh, you can even pull that much money out of your own pocket just to get it done. 
and see what you learn. Because you're going to learn a few things and you'll you'll see what's happening out in the field. When it comes to side dressing corn that we're talking about today, that would be a great place to start. Because a lot of folks are comfortable making that in-season fertility application. Uh, a lot of folks are comfortable making that adjustment on the fly that, you know what, this year we may need a little more, we may need a little less. And this would be a great opportunity for you to learn without spending a whole lot of money. Well, there's certainly a lot of things on the side dressing topic to discuss. We, we often think about nitrogen on our farm at this point, but so many farmers are also putting sulfur and some of the leachable nutrients out at that same time. So maybe sulfur or maybe sulfur and boron, uh, depending on what your nutrient needs are for your crop. I'd say the biggest ones, of course, are nitrogen and sulfur. And at this point, the sulfur use has really started to ramp up for farmers who are watching things closely on their farm and taking things to yield. We've seen a lot of guys that have sent data into us and, and even just stories into us about what kind of success they had uh, with different rates of sulfur and these types of things. And man, it sure feels like there's a, a growing momentum of guys putting a little bit more sulfur on than what they've done in the past. There's a lot of reasons, of course, why we need sulfur. I probably don't need to go into all that with air pollution and, and just how our diesel fuels changed and just on and on and on. But we're definitely getting a gain adding some sulfur out on the farm. And at the time you're putting nitrogen out and the way you're putting the nitrogen out, it's often pretty conducive to add some sulfur to that situation too. So if you're looking at um, doing those tests, maybe you change your pre-side dress nitrate test and you say, gosh, it's five bucks for nitrogen or I could spend 11 bucks and get everything and just see what's happening out there and get a better idea on my sulfur. Maybe in a few spots, you do that. And you just see, okay, is my sulfur hanging around or am I losing it that quick? And this is interesting, just as we talk to some of our neighbors, they'll say, what are you guys talking about? We don't lose sulfur that fast. We don't because we don't get that much rain and we've got heavy soil and, in general, a decent amount of organic matter. But certainly uh, you may be listening and saying, well, hold on, I've got light soils, I've got just tons of rainfall or tons of irrigation, and I am prone to losing my sulfur. It just varies so much. And even across our farm, I see our CECs or our holding capacity of our soil change quite a bit. So we certainly need to look at one field a little different than another if we've got a major soil change going on. On today's program, we're going to be taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And of course, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. And I mentioned that because as I'm talking about all this sampling here, uh, if you are that person that says, ah, I, I would pull the samples, but I don't even know how to read them or I don't know how to interpret them and, and make judgments based off those that sample data, no problem. Uh, we would be happy to help you with that. Our, our email box is a great place to do that. You can send in samples. And I actually have a few that my sister has printed out and put right in front of me today that we'll get through. Uh, so we'll start looking at some of these soil samples and, uh, and other samples that have been sent in from listeners just like you. And we can talk through it. So again, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. If you want to talk about side dressing corn or any other agronomic topic you want to discuss, or radio at agphd.com if you want to send in the information instead. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay tuned. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? 
With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When you're up in your sprayer, remember to look ahead into the future. Because if you've made the smart decision to plant Enlist E3 soybeans, now's the time to protect them with Enlist herbicides. The superior tank mix flexibility easily allows multiple sites of action and keeps your weed control programs effective beyond just this season. Visit Enlist.com to see how a better weed control system can help fight resistance on your fields today and tomorrow. back you're listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today we're talking about side dressing corn in-season nutrient applications on corn but you're getting your fertilizer program set on your farm right now whether you put things out in the fall or you're putting things out in the spring and you're deciding do i have enough to carry me through the whole season in some cases you might but in a lot of cases you're going to need to add a little bit more out there so that's our main topic today and you can we're going to talk about corn specifically, but certainly in-season nutrient applications applies to just about anything you're going to raise. Got our friend Kevin Matthews over in North Carolina on right now to join the discussion. Kevin, thanks for being on. Yes, sir. Appreciate the opportunity. So you guys gearing up here, just about ready to start planting some corn? Oh, goodness, yeah. There's actually corn going on, going in the ground in the state. The guys down east are running. Um we would. Uh, we just had a real hard rain come through, so we're definitely going to want to run next week if we can get all the planters in the field. But we waiting on parts. It's been an interesting challenge this year. Oh, it sure is. I, I think you know one of the good things about that, Kevin. I think that we're going to see farmers working together more on equipment than we've ever had. I've already talked to some guys that said, "Man, couldn't get the part for this. Had to talk to my neighbor and borrow their machine." To, to get something done out of my field. And I think there's going to be a lot of that this year. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's very common here because we're not in such a large ag area as the Midwest. And for years, we've always had to depend on helping each other to get things done. And now it's just a necessity. Yeah, it sure is. Okay. So, so let's talk about the side dressing of corn then. If you're planning on doing an in-season nutrient application and, and you've got to drive something through your field to accomplish that, 
There isn't a great big window there. I, I've seen corn in North Carolina. It kind of grows fast. Once it gets knee high, it just <laughs> takes off on you. Yes, we gather them heat units quickly. It does not take long. And yeah, you need to have a good program set up and a plan in place. Um, you know, for us, we're on narrow rows, 22 inch corn rows, and you just can't go get a sprayer anywhere because a 14.9 is a standard tire, and we're running the 12s. 12-inch wide tires, and so you kind of have to have a backup plan, and that's one reason we've always kept two sprayers. You know, when you think about all the different ways we can get nutrition out there, certainly if guys have overhead pivots, you can get get things out with the water. You can do uh, through drip tape irrigation, um, running a machine through the through the field that would lay it on top or, or uh, put it in a Y-drop uh, or inject it. I mean, there's just tons and tons of options. When you're looking at in-season applications, especially of nitrogen and sulfur on corn, which way do you like to do it? And if you had, if money was no object, Kevin, what way would you do it? Because I know a lot of times guys say, well, I do it this way because that's what I have for equipment. But even if you say, no, no, I would do it a different way if I could just afford the equipment right now. Yeah, I would I would love to have just a standalone bar uh, to go on my high boys, my Haggie or my New Holland sprayer uh, with the wide drops on it, which we, we run a uh, economy version, I guess you could say, wide drop kind of form. Well, being on narrow rows, we're just basically dropping it down the middle of the row um, at 60-inch drops. We actually go in uh, tasseled out corn, uh, you know, late season. We go all the way up to R3, R4, putting nitrogen out as we need it, depending on, you know, our rainfall amounts that we have. But it's, you know, we've got our nitrogen use down to 0.6 pounds per bushel now by spoon feeding it and placing it at critical times. And um, it's, it's a huge deal. You you know, you also, with our liquid program we run, we can go to the port and get it in um, late May and June and miss that planting rush window at the port getting product. So you, the truck drivers enjoy it easier. It's, it's much less hassle to get in and out to the terminals to get the product. And in the years past, the product's a little bit cheaper in June and July when you're top dressing that corn versus in the peak in the spring. So sometimes you can save money there as well. I know when people are listening to you talk, Kevin, you say, man, we've dialed our nitrogen back. We can get by with this low rate. Uh, the temptation would be, oh, great. Kevin says it's only 0.6. I'll just apply that. Now, there are a lot of steps that went into to happen to make this all work out on your farm. What are some of the things that you helped uh, – do and I mentioned spoon feeding and spacing it out. Did it come down to nutrient balance with some of the other nutrients as well? Oh yes, you want you want to try to get your pH and uh, your calcium to mag ratio as as good a place as you can for the environment you're in. I mean, obviously, if like you guys fighting a high pH and you're trying to lower it, it's a little bit more of a challenge than us with a low pH, and we're wanting to improve it. I think you can prove it much easier, and you can lower it. It seems like when absolutely all soils. Um, but the key is the placement on that. We really like to band that uh, that fertility at the at planting, and uh, it, you just don't take as much because you're feeding that plant instead of such a large, you know, all that soil. And then as the crop 
we want to stay just before each demand. So it's kind of like we're putting it out in thirds. We'll put a third out at planting. We'll put a third out during, you know, right in the middle of vegetation and just right about the time it goes into reproduction or maybe a little bit after, depending on the weather and, and how the equipment's running, we'll put another third out. And it really... You know, we got low CC soils, so we can leach out a lot worse in other areas. And it, you just don't want the crop to have a bad day. And as long as you can keep that nitrate level on that plant above three um, at the tail end, so you want to be, you know, five or six in the beginning if you can. If you can keep it above three, there's some pretty awesome yields that those stalks can put off. Now, you mentioned a, a number of things here, and I was just thinking about this when you say uh, basically three application timings. It, it could be a little more, a little less, depending on the situation, of course. But when you talk about doing it in thirds, I'll just use that for a, a concept. So banding at the planter, hey, you got a one-time setup fee. Now you're already making the pass. You get a free ride. That, that's a pretty inexpensive way to apply things. But then you look at those in-season apps, and I talk to farmers that say, oh, man, I can't afford to make that extra app, or now it's two extra apps and the price of diesel fuel. I look at it the other way. Look at the price of nitrogen. And you're exactly. using half exactly. the amount of nitrogen that some farmers we talk to are using. Well, if you could cut your nitrogen budget in half, I'd be willing to make quite a few trips across that field. And and Darren, I'll admit, you know, I've I've tried pushing it. I've you know, hey, I wonder what two pounds per bushel would look like, and I'm gonna put it all up front. I'm not gonna make it other trip. It don't never work for us. It just don't work. Not saying it won't work for anyone, but for us in our environment when we spoon feed it. And I think it's uh, the bi the biological life of the soils too. When you put those big heavy slugs out there, it takes the soil time to balance all that load it gets all at one time, and then the plants got to metabolize it. So it seems like these lighter, easier loads we're just having better success with on our farms. Yeah, I agree with you, and we've we've done similar things on our farm. I always joke on our farm when we try higher rates. I always call it the moron theory that we put a little bit on and it worked. Let's try putting more on. Maybe it'll be even better. And most of the time, our moron theory here doesn't work very well for us. So I'm not surprised, it's good Kevin. To hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fertilizer guy likes that a lot, no doubt about it. But yeah. you know, you got to play with these things. We always encourage our our listeners try some things out on a small scale on your farm and. Just just see if you can learn from that. I just had a farmer in earlier today, and he was saying, just take 10% of your acres and use those for experiment. The other 90, yeah, just you can put it on cruise control. Here's what's always worked for us, and I can keep doing that. But at least on a small part of your farm, you got to try different things. And I, I would say this. I, I know you guys are always trying things on your farm and, and always learning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a lot of fun, and it's it's interesting. Usually the thing that you absolutely think is snake oil ain't going to work or make a fool out of you. It'll be the one that shines the most. So I've, as I've gotten older, I've got very careful about what I say up front till I see the proof after the yield is harvested. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You can't make the decision up till you let the let the data happen and see what goes on out there. Now we're talking with Kevin Matthews over in North Carolina, who, once the soils dry out a little bit, is going to be out planting some corn. Kevin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Have a good day. Yeah, you as well. You know, planting is right around the corner, and as those fertility programs get finalized, you may be thinking, how much am I going to save to put on in-season in my crop? We'll talk more about that on today's show, coming up right after this.
If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and talking about side dressing corn and in-season nutrient applications in your crops. I know we're focusing a little bit on corn today, but many of the things that we're talking about, like we were just talking with Kevin Matthews over in North Carolina about uh, in-season nutrient applications, and he was just talking about, hey, as I've gotten things balanced out, as I've fixed my pH and kind of moderated some of those situations, as I've got my calcium and magnesium ratio or, or percentages in balance to where my soil is really starting to function properly, I'm getting by with less nutrients per bushel I'm producing. And that's a great thing and not depleting the soils. So I, I can speak to Kevin's farm. I've been on his farm. I've seen his crops. It's, it's the real deal. It's not 
two acres here or there or anything like some people will say, oh, man, it's just probably two acres is all. No, no, it, it's the whole farm. He's he's really working on trying to build things up. And honestly, that's what we're trying to do on our farm, too. Whenever we talk about what we're doing, it's not just, oh, we tried it on an acre. It's we've tried it for a year or two years or a few years and we found some things that worked and now we're putting that into play everywhere. So what, what we're talking about today is stuff that we would do across the whole farm. Now for your farm, you may say, well, I don't know. I'm not doing any of that. Uh, I heard a couple new ideas. We just suggest try it on a few acres first. So whatever that means for your farm, if you're farming 10,000 acres, maybe you try it on 500 acres or 1,000 acres. If you're farming 100 acres, maybe you try it on 5 or 10 acres and just see. It's all relative to your farm and how much risk you want to take. Let's head over to Illinois. we got Harry on with us right now. How's it going, Harry? Going well, thank you. It's so, a little cloudy and we had a couple inches of rain. Yeah, I was going to ask about how much rain you got. Now, was that welcome where you're at, or you you got plenty? You could just wait for a month. It was. We could have just waited for a little while. We're doing. We're doing pretty well. We were just getting dry enough to kind of drive around on the field and look at things, and now we're back out on the sidelines again. Yeah, my brother says this is a great time for a drought. Now, we've been in a drought, so I was hoping we'd catch a little rain, and we did. We caught like a half an inch or something out of this little rain-snow mix that came through, and I'm happy about it. Brian's not. He's like, no, no, no. Now it's just going to make fields a little spotty, and maybe there's a spot here or there that's not quite ready, and we're going to be planting corn here in another two or three weeks, so we, we'd kind of like things to be dry, but it, it just varies depending on where you're at. Well, there's about... I think a little over 70% of the land area in the United States is in some form of drought now, and that kind of worries me a little bit. We're one of the islands in that 70%. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a it's a big thing to be concerned about. There, there isn't anything we can do about it right now, but uh, I know what you mean. It, it kind of makes you question how heavy a population do you want to seed and, and what do you want to shoot for. And, right. you know, it kind of brings me back to a point I was making earlier. My dad used to always say, let's just go with – half rate or two-thirds rate to fertilizer compared to what we're shooting for and then see what kind of year we get in case we get a drought this might be all we need do you do things like that on your farm where you just start off with a portion of your fertilizer program or do you like to lay it all out up front well we've pretty much gone to the idea that we can't outguess mother nature and so we better plan for a good crop and uh, for the most part uh, the p and k are going to stay there Right. So the P and K that we put on, that we, if we don't use it this year, we'll use it in the future, and maybe that'll mean we'll be able to apply. If we have a drought and don't raise a bigger crop, we won't have to apply as much next year to replace what we took away. So, uh, and that's kind of been our approach with nitrogen. We've tried a lot of different ways, from putting it all on at once with anhydrous to uh, uh, the the current ideas that we have, and that is that we need to put that on close to the time when the plant's going to be using it and allow uh, maybe spread that out over and currently we're spread it out over three different applications about half of it in the fall with anhydrous and inserve we don't we've changed our dry fertilizer we don't put dap on anymore we put uh, map on and because um, we when we test our tiles and we put DAP on, a lot of it ended up, I felt, in the tile water. Since we started using MAP, we don't see much of it in there. So if I'm 
going to be polluting streams with it. Uh, it's not going to be there for my crop. I might as well. Doesn't save us much money. Right. Sometimes it's a little cheaper. Sometimes it isn't, but makes me feel a little better anyway. And then when we plant, uh, right before we plant, we'll uh, put on our our residual chemical, and we usually put that on with uh, ten gallons of twenty eight, ten percent of it uh, sulfur, and uh, then we'll come back uh, sometime after the corn's up with Y drops uh, and try and put on another 20 pounds with another 10% of sulfur. Excellent. I love that so you're addressing kind of the, the sulfur there too. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we used to, we used to try to variable rate anhydrous in the fall and uh, uh, that was a hassle at best. And uh, it was hard to figure out really what you use to figure to put more nitrogen here than you put somewhere else. We have tried variable rating the side grass based on what the organic matter of the soil is. So if you got 4%, you don't put on quite as much as if you got 3%, thinking that there's going to be some of it uh, that's going to be released by the organic matter. But we haven't really been able to notice much difference in it. Um, not sure that uh, that it that it really pays for itself to do that. So. Um, this is kind of where we are now. I think the only thing we might change about that is to maybe put 15% sulfur instead of 10%. Because I, I, a lot of things I read, people say that that uh, that sulfur level uh, just just is low enough that that we need to apply more, and that the crop really responds pretty good to that extra application. Yeah, that's that's interesting, and I love that your plan is constantly changing as you learn more information and you have some different tools. Uh, the wide dropping. How long have you done the wide dropping in season? Well, we started out in 2012. We had a Hagee side dress bar, and uh, we used that uh, up until uh, about four years ago, and now we wide drop on 60 inch sinkers. We only do one side of the row and uh, uh, haven't really noticed. I've heard some anecdotal talk out there that if you apply the nitrogen on one side, the plant's going to fall over on the other side, but I've never, I haven't noticed that. So I think that's just to sell more wide drops. <laughs> well, anyway, it, it's easy to check. I mean, you can just go take a jug out there and, and put a little bit on one side of plants and just see what they do compared to on both sides. But yeah, well, I, we I, have an extra couple of those wide drops and I did put one, uh, one place on in one field where I put it on both sides of the plant and uh, I couldn't tell any difference. Of course, you know, that's four rows out of eight, so uh, I don't know how how the I don't, my yield monitor is good, but it's not that good. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. And, and you hit a good point there, too. How do you measure these things? Like you talked about the variable rate uh, side dress based on organic matter. How do you measure those differences and see if you really made the gain by going to the extra work? And, and you know, for, for us, we do a pretty – 
extensive job soil testing so that's something that we could try pretty easy to build a map but but how are you going to see you got to leave some check strips out there to, to try and figure that out and then of course nitrogen might not have been the yield limiting factor in that part of the field so you you got to take right. a lot of things into account might have been something else yeah we 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 did some some stuff with the planter where we put different kind of closing wheels on 24 row planter on the eight eight rows and eight rows and eight rows and that matched up with our corn head so we could go back and actually measure that but where you're only doing four rows out of eight uh you don't know if one isn't canceling the other out or or what so sure uh we're gonna have to get a little bigger test plot i think than than just four rows but well, Harry, it doesn't sound like this is your first year of farming, so I applaud you. You keep learning all the way through. And thanks for sharing some of that knowledge with us today. Really appreciate it. Well, they're trying to root me out, but they haven't got rid of me yet. So. <laughs> well, I hope they don't get rid of you soon, Harry. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use Fierce Herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. 
With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. back you're listening to ag phd radio we're talking about side dressing corn and in-season nutrient applications in corn and other crops and real happy to have anthony Bly with us right now with south dakota state university anthony thanks for joining us yeah you're welcome darren good to be on all right i'm going to ask you some different questions because i know you're an expert in a number of different things and i want to try and bring a little different flavor to the show when when you think about cover crops I talk to growers that say, I'm putting a legume in my cover crop mix, or I'm just going with a straight legume as a cover crop, trying to leave more nitrogen for that next crop. How much in can we actually leave out there? And I, I know it's going to vary a lot depending on where you're at, but but what have you seen? I know you get, get a chance to work with a lot of guys who are doing covers. Yeah, you know, most of, most of the guys I'm working with are doing, you know, multi-species mixes. So, it, you know, it's a portion of, of something. Um, some of the literature I've seen, you know, that look at single species, you know, some of the red clovers in Wisconsin are putting back 40 to 50 pounds of N uh, credit back, back to the soil. So that would be a true type of green manure uh, application or practice. That's awesome. Yeah, 40 or 50 pounds, that's worth a lot of money these days. And I, I know is. Brandon and I had a chance to be over in Denmark a number of years back, and the growers there were saying, yeah, we're limited on how much N we can apply, but we aren't limited on what we put in for a cover crop. And so we can leave quite a bit if we make the right choices on those covers. Certainly. I mean, getting that carbon to nitrogen ratio, um, you know, more on the nitrogen side, but at the same time, leaving enough carbon to protect the soil is really the balance that we need to find. Okay, so let me ask you this question then. There are so many guys that we talk to across the country that say, well, we're going to go with cereal rye, or we're going to go with oats, or we're going to go you know, with, with a cereal crop. And, and that's nice. They're generally fairly easy to establish, and they do serve a, a great purpose in that regard. But how does that change the timing and potentially even the rate of end that we might need if we're planting corn back into that field? Well, yeah, I think that corn is going to need – um, need some nitrogen at the beginning of the season because any any available nitrogen in the soil would have been taken up by the cover crop. And and so it, it takes a little while for that to probably release if it's going to happen in that year that we're growing that corn. We don't know. It's dependent upon the climate and uh, temperature and, and such. But, but uh, especially at the beginning of that corn growth period, you know, it's 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 going to need more than we would have had with, without that cover crop there. Yeah, it really changes things a little bit. I've talked to some guys that say they're injecting the N uh, down in the ground a few inches to try to get past all that residue on top. I, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to manage around it, and I I agree with you though. I think that early season need is going to be important because you got a lot of mouths to feed out there as they try to deal with all that extra carbon residue you get on top. Correct. I mean, that's a nitrogen-starved situation, um, 
And uh, if we're trying to put corn into that, we're going to need a little something. Now, on the very extreme end of that, if, if we've got really, really good soil health and, and we've been cycling nutrients and that, that's involved a cover crop for many years, and um, we, might have a, you know, we might have a really good situation where, where that soil can eat up that carbon quickly if, if you kind of get what I'm trying absolutely, to say. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and here, here comes, we just had uh, a farmer from Illinois, Harry was on, and, and he's been farming for quite a few years. He just talked about over time how they've adjusted things based on what their observations were out in the field. And it's the same thing. As you get into a new situation, if you're new to using a cover crop in your rotation, yeah, it's going to be a little different now than it might be 10 years from now. So you always got to be paying attention and being a student to your crop. Absolutely. I agree with that statement 100%, Darren. All right. So let me ask you another question here. In in our state of South Dakota, there's a, a a big number of dairy expansions happening across our state. And we're getting a lot of questions just in the state of South Dakota about, okay, I'm going to do more silage corn than I've done in the past. And obviously we've got a lot of beef producers that, that may be doing something different out in their field than just harvesting grain corn. How, how does that work and how does that change the nitrogen needs? Well, you know, we're, we're, you know, without manure back in that system, we're going to slowly, slowly mine a lot of things, including their organic matter. Um, so, first of all, I think it's so important to understand that we got to be bringing some organic material back, and it, it's probably the manure. And and so, um, boy, and, that's and a covers great, and covers, Anthony. I think it's a great place for covers. Exactly, yep. you took the words right out of my mouth, and. Uh, uh, that's a great opportunity for cover crops, and I would, I would highly recommend them. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think what a great system. I know I can speak for our own farm that, that that's been a really nice thing. We got so many comments and uh, guys excited about. Man, I, I love what you did after you got that silage off there. You put a cover on. Uh, we we actually went in and injected manure right through the cover, and I mean you can see that we went through there, but it didn't do much damage to that cover. We we happened to catch some rain and and got it well established, but you could do it in a different order too. We just didn't want to put manure on quite that early. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I applaud you for doing that. That 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 it that is that is high management. I I I just I just think that's great. Very good. Well, I think it's going to be fun. I know there's quite a few guys that are getting their first taste of uh, doing some silage and working with a neighboring dairy and just a lot of education needed and a lot of learning and, and, and paying attention and measuring some of these responses out in the field. Uh, the other question I got for you, Anthony, is unfortunately, you, since you work in the state of South Dakota, you get to deal with a lot of drought situations. What are you seeing this year coming off a, a pretty dry year last year for much of the state? Well, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of in a dry area right now. Um, you know, things aren't super bad because we're not grow, trying to grow anything. Um, boy, I sure hope it turns around and and we start getting some precip here uh, in the area. Um, uh, but right now we're holding our own. I I'm just sitting here looking at a field right now, and boy, it sure looks like there's some weeds growing out there right now. And so. So I, you know, it's starting. It's coming. Um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to be drying some areas, but but we just uh, we just got to hope and pray for rain, and and uh, we all know water makes things grow. 
Uh, keep the ground covered. That is so important. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. You mentioned the weeds that are already coming. I've talked to a number of small grain guys that are saying, man, there's cheatgrass starting to come. So there must be enough moisture for that. Yep, there's 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 moisture there. You know, and those weeds have adapted to to uh, what they need to do, and, and so uh, they're going to be there. Talking with Anthony Bly with South Dakota State University. Anthony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and uh, might have to have a little follow-up out on our farm with you sometime, just, just talking about what we're doing, trying to manage things better around this dairy. Absolutely, Darren, anytime. We're talking about side dressing corn and in-season nitrogen applications, but we've got a number of questions in here for the Ag PhD mail, but I want to dive into that real quick. It's the mailbag! All right, I got this one from Dan in Indiana, and he said, you guys mentioned dirt work when you were discussing some of the first money you would spend on a new farm. You were talking about uh, improving drainage. You are talking about getting that fertility balance right, and you're also talking about dirt work. What do you mean by dirt work? Uh, thanks for the question, Dan. If we've got anything we've got to fix, uh, like you got to fix a field approach or um, you know, something like that, or there's been a washout because of, um, you know, a situation in the past on that field. We just want to go and do all those things first and at least start off on a good note out in that field. So that is where we try to go first with our money. And then the next thing we would do is go after the drainage work or, or try and get tile done where we can or start seeking the permissions and permits or whatever, depending on where we're farming at, uh, so we can get that tile done as soon as we can. Then after that, we start working on the fertility. And I, I know sometimes people listen to our show and say, man, you guys are big about getting your fertility levels and balance in your fields. We are. We really are, absolutely. But if you've got some issues out there like a, like a washout or a, uh, even just the driveway to get our equipment into the field, we want to work on that first <laughs> so so we can get out in that field safely and uh, effectively as we're going around. Thanks for the question, Dan. We really appreciate that. We'll get back to more of your calls and questions coming up right after this. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. 
boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at FarmShopMFG.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at AgPhD.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Today we're talking about side dressing corn. And one topic we haven't gotten into, got into just a little bit with Anthony Bly there with South Dakota State University, was manure in this whole system. But Anthony did not talk about in-season applications, but I know somebody who will. It's Glenn Arnold with Ohio State. Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. All right, you guys do so much research on this. I'm curious about manure in season, how does that work, and is that a preferable source of nitrogen? Well, it's one that farmers already own, and they're going to move that manure at some point during the year. So if you can use that on a growing crop and replace purchased nitrogen, it seems to be a good fit. What we've traditionally done is we uh, side-dress corn that's emerged in a field with a uh, 12-row drag hose side-dress toolbar, and we've done that probably for five, six years now. And um, it's worked well. Farmers have been very, very happy with it. So we we uh, enjoy working with it. Now, how big a corn, Glenn, do you do you wait for? Do you have a target? You say, man, i got to have six-inch tall corn before I can do this without covering some up? No, actually, if it were a no-till field or a field that has a really firm seed bed, I wouldn't hesitate to go in right after the corn's been planted. If it's been planted with an RTK where you know where the rows are, you could move over 15 inches and do the manure application at that point. Usually we like to hit corn at about that V2 stage or V3, and we know the V4 stage is about as tall as we want to want to go over it with a drag hose system. Now this year we're going to also have a Cadman system to work with here in Ohio, and that's a system that uh, will allow us to do corn mm, probably up as tall as your kitchen table perhaps. So we're pretty excited about that new technology and using that for the first time. Yeah, that is excited, and and you hit it right on the head to start with. The farmer already owns the manure, or he's next to a livestock producer that is happy to get manure out in season, so he really isn't worried about, oh, man, am I going to have enough room to store everything until fall, or what if we have a wet fall? That's that's a pretty good deal for the, for the livestock guy, too. 
Well, especially if we can get a wide window. You know, right now we usually figure we've got about a 30-day window to get that manure applied to corn where we flatten it with the drag hose. But if the Cadman system we think might give us as many as 80 days to get that corn applied so or get the manure applied. So I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're not going to have enough manure to do more than probably 40 or 50 acres each year. But it is a time when most commercial manure applicators are not very busy. We haven't gotten to the point where we're putting manure on uh, hay stubble. We're not to the point where the wheat's come off yet. So it is a window of time where your commercial manure applicators would would be willing probably to work with you on this. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. The applicators aren't super busy during that time. They think they've gotten all the pre-work done, so so that's a good thing. How about yield data? Have you done any yield data versus commercial fertilizer or any of those types of things, or is that really not the point of the research? It's just to see if you can do this well, successfully. We, we generally have started with yield. It's kind of the goal, and usually you'll run about 12 to 15 bushels more with the manure strips than you will a commercial fertilizer strips that we put out. And we've also done a lot with manure tankers. We've had quite a few farmers in Ohio who have modified their manure tankers to put it on narrower wheels and uh, do some of their own manure application in their own fields. And that works pretty well. And in those situations, I think due partly to the compaction of the tanker, usually manure is about even steven with uh, commercial fertilizer when you look at the yields in the fall. Yeah, the soil conditions are really important. And you mentioned something, too, the the no-till field or the strip-till field might offer uh, even a little better opportunity for the farmer to get across that field without having an issue. Right. You need to have enough um, soil stability to support that drag hose. And if you, if you use a drag hose in a field that's been spring-worked, usually you'll begin to uh, scour dirt with a hose. And that will cause you to scour out corn plants or bury corn plants. So we've, you know, we've gone through, um, you know, dozens and dozens of fields with different farmers. We've learned a few lessons on the way. And we just know that um, no-till or something that's got a killed cover crop or even a field that was worked in the fall and not disturbed in the spring, all of those usually work pretty well for a drag hose system. Glenn, where can farmers find your, your research information if they want to look online? Well, if you Google me, usually something will show up on that. We've got some journal articles and stuff. And then we uh, do a lot with Facebook. So uh, Ohio State Environmental and Manure Management page would have a lot of our videos and a lot of our other things that we do uh, related to manure application and side dressing. Excellent. We're talking with Glenn Arnold here with Ohio State University. Glenn, thank you so much. Really appreciate the work that you're doing. I think it's really valuable and appreciate you sharing your time and information with us today. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks a lot. You bet. Yeah, a lot of different ways to uh, attack the nutrient needs of your crop and, and side dressing manure is, is a pretty cool one as well. Uh, back in the Ag PhD mailbag had a soybean seed treatment question that came in from Russell, and he said, I was just wondering, how important do you think fungicide and insecticide seed treatments are on soybeans if you're trying to plant earlier than normal? Russell, I would say from experience, it's very important. If you've got seed that's going to lay in the ground longer, you have more time for bugs to find it and you have more time for diseases to find it. So, yes, I, I think that's going to be a big deal. And obviously, as environmental conditions change, if it's wet, you're going to have different diseases than if you're dry. Uh, but it, it, it's something big. We think with soybeans at normal planting time, but early planting time, we feel that 
that it's even more important than normal. Uh, I had a comment from PWW. Uh, you guys were talking about ditch care. You didn't mention Roundup. Uh, just wondering why you aren't promoting for bear. Uh, well, we are never promoting for bear. That isn't the intention of what we're doing. We have done a little bit of Roundup underneath the fence with the idea of, man, it's a it's a pain if we want those fences to look sharp to run a weed eater or something like that underneath. But it just led to more issues, so we, we don't like that. We'd rather just use a broadleaf herbicide that would kill the broadleaf weeds and get them out of the way so they don't end up going to seed and getting out in our field. Uh, thanks for the comment, though, and thanks for checking out our show. Really appreciate that. Uh, Chuck said, uh, hey, you guys have reposted and rehashed the same topics as, as you've done in previous years on this ditch care as just one example. Hey, you know what, Chuck? Uh, every year we are kind of looking at some of the same things. There's no doubt about it that we've got to look at how we're going to prepare the soil, what, what we're going to do in, in ditch care, like, for example, on this topic, or, hey, what are we going to do to deal with diseases or insects in our crop? And, you know, once we kind of figure out one bug, another one seems to be a big problem. So we do end up talking about a lot of the same things because, hey, we're planting the same crops and uh, fighting those same battles. So you're right. But there are going to be updates every year with, uh, okay, are there some new tools at our disposal or are there some things that we found over the year that work better than others and we want to share those with you too. Uh, thanks for the comment though and thanks for checking out our show. We really appreciate that. Uh, got one from Mike. He said, thanks guys. You're doing a great job. Really appreciate what you're doing. Hey, thanks Mike. We really appreciate that. Thanks for, for checking out our, our information and thanks for your support as well. I uh, got one in from Greg and he said, I'm up in Northern North Dakota uh, I get a question for you on the application of the three pre's that you talk about in soybeans. We're planting in list beans. We've got lamb's quarters, mare's tail, and uh, foxtails. And th we're doing conventional till following wheat, and the wheat was chisel plowed as well. We've tried Prowl H2O with incorporation behind the sprayer as a standalone. Haven't had as much success as we'd like. Uh, what could we do a little bit different? Um we're concerned about applying trifluralin and then uh, coming back later to work that in. Uh, we were told that we need to work it in right away. Okay, a couple things here, Greg. You are in northern North Dakota, so you're not as hot as uh, areas further south than you. And so what we found on our farm, if we had no other means of controlling grass, is that application good enough on its own? Probably not, but you've got enlist soybeans, so you've got an opportunity to spray Liberty, you've got an opportunity to spray Roundup, uh, and of course all those other herbicides like Clethodim, for example, that control grass could be used to clean up any escapes. So we are using some trifluralin, spraying it out and coming back in with tillage later in some cases and just knowing you know, it's probably not going to be perfect out there, but if we do it on cooler, cloudy days and try not to get more than 40 acres ahead of tillage so we can get it tilled in relatively quick, we've had pretty good luck with that. So I'd say give it a try on your farm. Uh, if you're in the worst of uh, pressure situations with the foxtails or pigeon grass, as you call it, um, then yeah, you probably want to be a little bit quicker, but uh, for the most part, if we don't get too far ahead, we've had pretty good luck with that. Thanks for the question, and good luck with your soybeans this year. We really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Music.